Welcome to the TCU Chi Alpha podcast, where we share sermons, interviews, and other resources that encourage and challenge students as they follow Jesus on campus. All I wanted to do tonight, just before we invite our missionary guests up, is just kind of set the stage for missions, what missions is, um, the way that we think about it, the way that we look at it in Chi Alpha at TCU. For many of you, um, this is your first time to be uh, in a mission service or be a part of a missions month that we do here. Um, and so we just wanted to set the stage for, for that for you. So before I jump into it, how many of you guys really want to know God's plan for your life? Like, what does he have for your future? Yeah? Everybody? Yeah. Awesome. Um, can I tell you I know what it is? I've got it. God's told me what his plan for your future is. You guys are freaking out. It's missions month. You're like, you're going to tell me I'm supposed to. Yes and no. Okay. Here's, here's what I know is that scripture talks about in the book of Matthew 28, um, also in Mark 16 and Acts 1, Jesus's final words on this earth to sum those things up, and you should look them up and read them. The Bible will really change your life. But you should, you should look this up because he's, he tells his followers, his disciples, the people that know him and follow him, that they're called to make disciples of every nation, to teach people the things that he taught them, to preach the gospel to every creature, and to go and be witnesses under the power of the Holy Spirit to Jerusalem, Judea, and the ends of the earth. Jesus' call to his followers is to go make disciples. And in Matthew 28, the, the original language kind of gives a, a picture of as you go, make disciples. So God's will for your life, the call on your life is to go and make disciples wherever you are in whatever season you are. Now, what that looks like for some of us, maybe, Kyle, you're going to be a professional pianist. And so as you travel, as you go, as you perform, you're going to be making disciples as you play Ethan right? Band director, right? Making disciples as a band director. Caleb, journalist, making disciples as a journalist. The call is the same for all of us to make disciples, preach the gospel, be a witness to Jesus. The where and the how is the only thing really that's up for grabs. And so here's what I want us to do. This is, this is my heart for us. This is something I've been praying over our ministry for the last few years, is that as you begin to pray about what your future is, that you wouldn't just pray over, I have a picture of this, that you wouldn't just pray over this one little spot in the world. That as you pray, and as you seek the Lord's heart for your ministry, you already have the call, right, to make disciples, but the where and the how, when you pray, that you would look at it bigger than that. That you'd put the whole world before you and say, God, where would you have me go? Whatever it is that you call me to do, where would you have me do that? And that it wouldn't be limited to one spot, but it would be open to the world. In Chi Alpha here, we, we believe that every student should pray, every student goes, every student gives, and every student welcomes. Did you know that you can partner with God to change the world now? Jesus says in Luke 10 that we should pray that the harvest is great and the workers are few, that we should pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send laborers into the harvest fields. There are people all over the world that have never heard of Jesus There are people in the countries that our friends are in. There are people in your dorms that have never heard of Jesus. And so we can pray. We can ask God to send laborers. We can ask God to move on people's hearts. We can pray for the laborers that are already there. And we can be, like Jesus asked us to be, the laborers in the place that we are now. Every student, right now, while you're in Chi Alpha, while you're at TCU, you can pray 
and change the world. And we should pray for the nations. When we pray, we don't just pray over this one little thing, but we, we lay the map of the world out before us and we pray for the world. The next thing is every student goes. This is an opportunity in your life where you have a lot more free time than you ever will. And anyone who has kids in this room or married says amen. Like, you guys have spring break and you have summer break and you have time that is free. There's never been a better time for you to enter into God's call to go, to go see what he's doing around the world, to go, to go and partner with him on mission. And so when we go on mission trips in Kaiafa, we go and we partner with people that are already on the ground, wherever they are, and we serve them, we learn from them, and we, and we get God's heart for their area of ministry. And we ask God, Lord, would you have us come and be at a place like this? Would you have us do something like this? How can we help advance your kingdom wherever we go? Every student goes, man, before you graduate, you guys should all go on at least one mission trip with us so that you can see what God's mission is like outside of the big purple bubble, right, here at TCU. Okay, next thing. Every student gives. How many of you guys have millions of dollars already? All right. Oh, Ethan, thank you. I, I see that as a pledge for a million dollars to, um, no. Um, how many of you guys plan to make millions of dollars? Some of you do. I know. I know. Yeah. You guys already have plans? You already got the portfolio going? Like, yeah. The lotto ticket. Um, here's the thing. Uh, a lot of us in this stage of life, man, we, have, we have, don't have a lot of money, right? We don't have a lot to give. But can I challenge you with something? I know that it's tempting to say one day I'll give when I have a lot of money, when I, have, when I make those, that first million. After my first million, <laughs> then I'll start giving. What if you cultivated the discipline of giving now? What if you cultivated giving from your $1 so that you have the discipline of giving when you have the million? We're not asking you guys when we ask to give to these things and to give to the Lord. We're not asking you, uh, we're asking you to be obedient to Jesus, whatever he asks you to do. But we're not asking you to go broke or go into debt to give <laughs> to God. What we're asking you to do is say, God, what have you given me to steward? What is, what is it and how can I Bless your kingdom now. And can I encourage you? We don't just give to this one little part of the world, but we give to the whole world. Lastly, every student welcomes. We have students from over 70 nations. I believe it's 76 nations studying at TCU. Over 500 students from, that are international students that are here on our campus. Many of them are from nations that it's literally illegal to go in as a missionary that like we couldn't go in as, as missionaries there. We'd have to go in under a cover of a business or that kind of thing. And they're studying here on our campus. We're surrounded by these students from the world. God has sent the world to our nation. And so we should be welcoming the nations. Look around you. Look around you in your room. Look around you in your classroom. Look around you in your dorm. Look around this room. Are there people that could be welcomed? Jesus says in Matthew 25, I was a stranger and you welcomed me, that the Lord will say, I was a stranger and you welcomed me. And, and people will say to him, like, what do you mean? <laughs> when did we welcome you? And he said, when you welcomed the least of these. Like, when you welcomed those people in, you welcomed me. We have an opportunity to be like Jesus, not to just con on a mission to convert people, but to bring them into the family before they become a part of the family of God, that people are allowed to belong before they believe. It's not a project. We have to genuinely care about these people, love them, serve them, welcome them into 
our lives. Every student prays, every student goes, every student gives, and every student welcomes. Last thing is that John 3.16, what does it say? God so loved the world. The whole world. Not just your world, not just my world, not just this state or city, but the whole world. He loved our world enough to send his son Jesus. Jesus was a missionary. He came from a very nice place, actually. <laughs> Things were really good for him there. Well taken care of, right? I mean, he was taking care of himself, I guess, right? He's all-powerful, but... And came down to our world. A missionary once said that God had one and only son, and he made him a missionary. <laughs> he loved the whole world so much that he gave his only son that whoever would believe in him should not perish but have eternal life. So when we pray, do we pray for the whole world? When we go, do we go to the whole world? When we give, do we give to the whole world? And when we welcome, do we welcome the whole world? Because that's who Jesus died for, and he deserves the reward of his suffering on the cross. Men and women of every tribe, every nation, and every tongue. And that's our call. And that's why we celebrate missions. That's why we promote missions. That's why we invite friends into our services um, to, to speak into our lives. Awesome. Let me pray. And uh, as our friends come up, Jesus, thank you so much for your sacrifice for us, your love for us. Thank you, Jesus, for all that you've done in our lives. God, help us be good stewards of your investment in us and be obedient to your call to pray, to give, to go, and to welcome. God, I just pray that you would open our hearts. As, uh, as our friends come, as they share, um, let us hear from your Spirit to us what you would have for us this evening. We love you. We praise you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, thank you both for being here. Um, we're so honored to have you. I know that uh, in y'all's, the season that they're in right now is called su like a support raising season. They're on furlough from the mission field. And so uh, they could be doing a lot of things and talking to a lot of people with a lot of money. But they've chosen to be here <laughs> with us this evening. We're honored to have you guys and, uh, and just your willingness to invest in us. So um, Tessa and her husband, Randy, and their family work in the nation of Kenya, Africa. Um, he's a college professor, Bible professor. And uh, you're doing healthcare, all kinds of stuff. So um, tell us, Tessa, why, what, what do you do in Kenya? And, uh, and why are you guys there? Um, so for those of you who weren't able to have dinner with us, just uh, a little bit real quick. Um, my husband is a professor. Um, so he um, has a degree in Old Testament. Um, and he teaches anywhere from diploma level um, all the way up to PhD level. And he travels from Kenya to Ethiopia, Tanzania. He'll go to Burundi and he advises for um, uh, places out of Togo. Um, and then myself, if you missed it, I work in the area of what we call compassion ministries. And so those are sort of equate to what we call the social justice areas. So I do medical clinics. I am actually on the board of an organization that drills wells. I serve with an organization that does filters, which we talked about. Um, we do some women's empowerment. We do uh, young women's hygiene. And then we just started putting together a curriculum to create awareness for human trafficking on the continent. Just a couple things. You guys aren't busy at all. Um, <laughs> Adam, you've served in missions and ministry for a lot of years um, in a lot of different capacities. Yeah. Um, but tell us about 
what you're doing as far as being a church planner in another country. What does that look like? Um, what does a normal week look like for you? What are you guys going to be doing when you get to? Yeah, maybe so a- uh, I'm kind of a jack of all trades and probably master of none, especially when you look over here at the pains and, and <laughs> the, the work that they're doing. Um, so my wife and I, we've been, we've, we're high school sweethearts, have done, as uh, Andrew said, we've done ministry for a long time. Uh, in fact, probably before you guys were born, I was youth pastoring, um, to be honest with you. And uh, so from there, we went to become missionaries and uh, started church plant and, and work along church planning, um, because I really believe that the hope for the world is, is the local church. And if we can establish good, healthy local churches, then the gospel can go forward and people's lives will be changed. Um, so a typical week for us is, is where we minister at a church on the weekends. During the week, our, our goal is to, to meet as many people as we can and start discipleship movements uh, in the cities in which we live. Um, so the last four years, it was in Durban, South Africa, uh, a small city of four and a half million people. And, um, and again, I, I told those that we had dinner, it would, if you went to Durban and Mshlanga, where we lived, it would look like this part of, of um, Fort Worth, except for there's an ocean right beside us, okay, um, instead of uh, Cleburne or something. Um, <laughs> but but uh, so so that's what we, we did, and, and uh, my wife was a children's pastor. I did discipleship. I taught classes at the church. I was over online ministry, those type of things. Um, from there, we're going to the country of Namibia to plant a new church and start a new church planning movement in this country. Um, and uh, to get there, we have to start a coffee shop. Um, because they don't allow missionaries to come in. So we're going to start a business as mission is what it's called, or BAM for short. And uh, we're going we're gonna to start a coffee shop so we can get a visa. We're going to use that space to, uh, to start a church and uh, Bible studies and build community and those type of things. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, Tessa, you, you, we were talking about this at dinner. You and Randy have just a couple degrees between you, um, or a lot. What made you guys decide to become missionaries? Did you always plan to be a missionary? Was that something that you discovered after you studied in these fields? Um, yeah, so we do have just a couple <laughs> of degrees. And so for um, real quick, um, you know, for as we sort of shared um, at dinner at one point, that wasn't my original goal to become um, a nurse. I did want to go to medical school and I, came, I gave it up. Um, to become a nurse practitioner um, and then eventually got my degree in healthcare program development. Um, And that was just sort of the way, you know, God had led me to do that. And I'll tell you, it wasn't always easy because nursing school I hated. And I wondered at some points too, you know, did I make a mistake? Because there's no way I should have to go through this. Um, You know, but 20 years down the road, God showed me that that's the direction that he had led me. Um, You know, for Randy, it was a little bit different in that um, he initially wasn't really sure. Um, he got his degree in religious studies, his undergrad from a state university. Then he got his master's in Old Testament and a master's in biblical languages. Um, but at that point, he actually could have gone and taught um, at a university. And we started talking to missions organizations then when he decided, when he came home and, from a mission trip and said, I won't be happy doing anything else. Um, but what he decided then at that time, and I think it's something that we can all sort of, you know, take to heart is that, um, his thing was, you know, if you have to be the best here in the U S then anybody around the world that I serve in the name of Jesus deserves the best. If this 
is the gift that God has given me and the skill set to teach, if then I'm going to give my best that I can to God. And so when he was done his master's, we could have gone, but he decided to get his PhD to be the best that he could be um, in order to fulfill the call that God had put on his heart. So some of it was done before, but some of it was after because he said, you know, I, I want to give the best of myself to where God had called me to be. So well-meaning people or maybe not so well-meaning people might ask, why would you guys waste all this education just to go to another country? I mean, can't you do good work here? Can't you make a lot more money than you make doing? Like, why would you waste this? Um, you know, I guess it's how you look at waste. Um, you know, we understand that, you know, I love your message in that God is king of the whole world. And our world is bigger than just this little bit. And when he asks you to serve, you have to ask yourself, too, what's greater? Like, fulfilling what he has asked me to do in serving him or making my bank account more than what it should be. And yeah, I mean, sure, who doesn't want to have a lot of money and like be comfortable? And, you know, you can, you can sit here. I mean, we made decent money and we gave a lot to missions and we went on nice vacations and we could have had the two-story red brick house and the two-car garage and, you know, whatever you will. But we knew that it doesn't come down to making yourself happy, but we knew we wouldn't be happy because when you serve Christ and you know the call he has on your heart and you pray to him, let your will be done in my life, he's not going to let you alone. Um, if that's really, I mean, he's going to tell you over and over. And it's like, it's almost like, well, you get to the point where you say, people say, how can you throw it away? And you're like, well, how can I not? I mean, it's God. Like, you, do I tell him? No, because I want a paycheck more than I want to serve him. And you just have to make that decision, even as hard as it is sometimes to be comfortable you have to say how can i not your answer has to be well how can i not yeah that's great adam similar question i know you guys were in youth ministry like you said before um, i'm sure you get the question you know why do you have to go across the world to reach people for jesus there's plenty of lost people in america right? well, there's also plenty of christians in america that could reach the lost in america hey right? preach um because there are you know we're we're the one of the most gospel-saturated um, countries in the world, if we're honest about it. You know, you can turn on the radio and and, and scan it, and you're going to hear, and, and especially where we live in the South, you're going to hear five or six different Christian radio stations. You can, we got Christian networks all over the U.S. and, and churches on every corner just about, right? Um, and, and not every place has that access, um, to good churches or, or to train leaders and, and pastors that, that have a good biblical foundation. Um, so uh, we, we had our dreams. We had our desires. We were making more than we ever made before as in ministry. My wife was teaching. We were living. The, we had a great little house on half an acre just west of Fort Worth, and it was phenomenal. Um, but, but how do you say no to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? When he asks you to do something, it you know, comes down to is, is my dreams more important than God's dreams? Um, and, and it's something we wrestled with as a family. What's going to happen to our kids? 
what's, you know, I had a, at the time our, our oldest daughter was, when we moved there, she was nine, our youngest daughter was six, but when we started the process, they were four and seven. Um, and it's that, man, what are we, what's gonna happen to our kids? And uh, so my wife, you know, she want, she, she's a mom, and, and it's that whole idea of, God, did, what, are they gonna be the weird kids growing up? What are they, you know, let's, we're gonna homeschool? We're gonna do all this stuff, and you know, and, and, and are they gonna have the access and the things that everybody else that, you know, homecoming and prom, you know, just those things that we take for granted as Americans. Uh, and I remember she, she, she'll t- she tells a story that, that it was, she was praying and God said, don't you think I love your kids more than you? And I'll take care of your kids. If you trust me and believe in me, I'll take care of your kids too. And, and that was a big part of it for us. Yeah. Would you, so you have a, uh, one of your daughters is in a sophomore in college, you yeah, said, and one yeah, is a sophomore in high yeah, school. Yeah, so I have a, my, my oldest is 18 and she's a second semester sophomore. Um, and yeah, she, she graduated early because of COVID we were locked down. So she started her school semester as soon as COVID happened and finished early. Uh, and she did some dual credit as well. Uh, and then our youngest is a 15 and is a sophomore in high school. How do you think at this point they would describe their experience as missionaries? Well, my, my oldest got her first tattoo, uh, this summer and, uh, whatever I, I'm one of those dads. She asked, hey, can I get a tattoo? I'm like, you're 18. And uh, so she actually got the coordinates on her, uh, her bicep here to the first house that we lived in in Africa, uh, the GPS coordinates. And uh, for her, it's home. And uh, my youngest, she's, she has more memories in Africa than she does in America because, like I said, she was six when we moved there, and she's lived there for seven years out of, you know, her 15 years, so almost half her life now she's, she's lived in Africa. Um, so that, that's home for them. When they come to America, it's like, yeah, I miss Chick-fil-A. I miss those things, but I, you know, I miss the stuff over there more than I do here now. Wow. Um, we were joking a little bit earlier before we started. I said, what's the question that you get from people the most that you hate the most? And both of you said that like people would legitimately ask like, so you're going to Africa. That's awesome. What are you going to do with your kids? (laughs) Like they're just going to leave them here or something. I don't, I don't know. Take your kids with you. <laughs> but how, how has it been for uh, Jansen and Jackson for you guys? Yeah. Um, so I, some of you know, I have one that's 12 and I have one that's two. So Jansen being born over there, coming this way was a little mm. bit mm. Um, different for him. He doesn't know. He's just two. He doesn't care. But he has learned what candy and cookies are <laughs> um, and chicken nuggets. So it didn't take long for that. Um, but my other one, Jackson is 12. He was seven when we went over and he turned eight a few days after we got there. And it was a little bit of a struggle. Like, I'll be honest, like, um, he is a very loyal kid. Um, he loves friends. He loves his small group. Um, and so there was definitely a transition struggle. Um, it took some time and then COVID was a little bit hard, but, Actually, we have been back now um, since this summer, and just last week, um, he said, I'm ready to go back to Kenya. Mm. Um, I miss it. And so I think for me, that was a bit of a relief um, because he couldn't wait to come back to see his grandparents and his cousins and family, but he actually said, I'm ready. I miss it. I'm ready to go back, Um, and that was encouraging. That's amazing because you you do think or you hear just this idea of like, 
it's going to be too hard or I cannot, you know, those questions that you wrestle with. And it's, it sounds like God's been very faithful and very good to your families. He's covered that. He has been good. Um, as you follow God's call to, to go into your mission fields, like we have this hope, this idea that he's actually going to move. He's actually going to change lives. He's actually going to impact lives. I would love for each of you to share a story of someone whose life has been impacted as a result of your obedience to go and do what God's asked you to do that may have not experienced it had you not been obedient. Can you share a story of a changed life? Um, So my wife was a children's pastor in our church uh, there in Durban that we helped start. And uh, one day a kid walked in and he sat on the back row of the the kids area, the space where we have in kids church. And he pulls out a lunchbox and he opens up his lunchbox in the middle of kids church and starts playing with Legos. Um, which is great. You know, I love Legos, but my wife, you know, especially in a metal lunchbox, they're, they're kind of noisy. Um, so my wife gently went up to him and said, hey, man, is there any way you could put those up today? Uh, it's kind of a distraction to the kids. I'm so glad you're here, but you're being a distraction. So he puts them up, and he was nine years old, and and um, turns out that at nine years old, he said he was an atheist. Um, you know, he'd made that decision, and I don't know everything that happened in his life, but he believed that he had no hope and there was no God. Um, so he came back the next week and he brought a novel with him and he sat on the back row and he read the novel and he just sat back there and read it. And a couple weeks later, he, every week my wife does children's church and he, he takes the, after a few weeks, he takes the book and he brings it and he just leaves it on the chair beside him. Um, and then next thing you know, he's up there standing and next thing you know, he's participating in worship and participating in the games and the small group time and stuff like that. And uh, he was there for about two years. And it was about the time he was going to graduate out of kids' church. And my, he came up to my wife and he goes, Pastor Alicia, I'm so sorry I'm not going to be here next week. I won't be back. And her heart breaks. Judah, what's going on? Where are you? Where, where, what's, what's happening? He goes, well, I have to move to Johannesburg. Uh, it's an hour, six hours, a uh, city six hours away from where we lived. Um, I have to go live with my dad. Uh, so he's walking out the door that day. And as he walks out the door... He, uh, he stops one of the other pastors at the church. And he goes, Pastor Randy, I need you to plan at North Place in uh, Johannesburg so I can bring my friends to North Place kids. And uh, that year was when 2020s happened, COVID happened. We had a shutdown. We ended up going online with a kid service. And there's a kid in Johannesburg. Every service we put online, he was watching. It's just one of those things that God did uh, for a kid in Johannesburg. You know, a global pandemic, yet one kid was still able to have North Place kids. Wow. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. Um, the story I, you know, I share is one that greatly impacted me because it challenges me too, but it's uh, about a friend of mine named Lucy. So um, in the southern region of Kenya is the area known as the Maasai Mara. Um, and so if you ever imagine, if I say Africa, like many of you get that savanna um, with a few trees. And so it's the home of the Maasai tribe. And if you ever Google Maasai, it's the ones that jump and have a lot of beads. Um, and so particularly in the Maasai tribe, um, they actually marry off or give their young women, once they become of age, often marry them off to much older men. Um, and the men pay a price of like a few cows, a few sheep, um, a few goats, whatever they think that this young girl is worth. And my friend Lucy, um, was given, she was nine years old and she was given to a 47 year old man to be his wife 
um, for the price of a cow and a few sheep. She wound up having her first baby at the age of 11, and then by the time she was 23, she had six children. And there was a church in Nairobi that had wanted to be a light to um, Lucy's community. And one of the things that they recognized that Lucy's community lacked was access to medical care and prenatal care. Um, so I was partnering with this church and we um, actually put a medical clinic in Lucy's village. And there's no other medical care around. I mean, they actually walk up to 10 from up to 10 miles away just to be seen at this clinic. They walk because it's the only access that they have in that area. Um, and uh, for Lucy, her and her children um, were actually seen in that clinic. And when they were there, they were prayed for and they heard the good news of Jesus. And all of a sudden, Lucy started showing up at the clinic every day. She would sweep the floor. She would wash the equipment. Um, she would greet the other uh, patients there. And they came to her, um, the pastor, uh, and he said, you know, Lucy, thank you for serving in this clinic. He said, but uh, we can't afford to pay you. And Lucy kept coming every day. I mean, day after week after week, month after for over a year, she came every day um, to serve in this clinic and whatever they needed. And the pastor came back to her again, and he said, Lucy, he said, you know, we're, we're so thankful um, for everything that you're doing, but we still can't afford to pay you. And Lucy's just this, this little, little thing, um, but she looked up at that pastor, and she had more joy that any person I've ever seen just flowing out of her. And she said to that pastor, she said, no pastor, she said, it is I that have nothing to give you, but my time and my hands, and I offer them to you freely because you've already given me Jesus. And now Lucy and her children are serving Christ in that community and serving the community because we've been able to share Jesus. Praise God. That's incredible. Thank you guys for sharing that. So we go with the vision of, of seeing other people's lives changed, right? I'm curious for you guys, how has your life changed as a result of being on the field? Um, I think some of you were with me at dinner when I said, um, you know, I have a backup plan for a backup plan for a backup plan because I'm very type A. Um, I've become go a little, less, little less type A, sort of, um, although I do still carry around a five-year planner. Don't laugh. Um, but I think for me, one of the things was I'd always been um, independent, too. Like, I was always been able to be self-sufficient. I've always had my own funds. I never really had to rely on others. Um, and, you know, going across, one of the ways God had to teach me to chill out was first off, you know, he helped us raise the funds that we needed to get there, which is unbelievable. But there was a particular time I had gotten there and I was going through some culture shock. I mean, and it was hard. The list is just, it doesn't matter because you think I'm crazy. But um, it got to the point where what actually tipped me off was when we lived here in Fort Worth, um, we had a rosemary bush out front. And I used it in every recipe I had, rosemary. Well, I got to the point where I could not find a rosemary bush in Nairobi. And um, 
it was like I got fixated to the point that I was trying to figure out who could come over and sneak seeds in a book, you know, and so I could plant my own rosemary. Like I would stay up at night thinking about how I was going to get rosemary and it started consuming all of my time um, because I had nothing, like I was just so fixated because I wanted to control something and I wanted a little bit of something of home. I know it sounds crazy, but it was just in a world of transition and I couldn't make sense that I wanted control and I just wanted this something that had been so familiar to me. And after a couple of weeks, actually it was probably about six weeks, Randy, my husband, goes into the backyard and we have this garden area that um, we hadn't really ventured into. And we went around behind what actually was a compost pit. And behind that compost pile was a little rosemary bush that had actually been there the entire time. Wow. And he said, Tessa, come here. And I walked around and I saw that rosemary bush and I just started to cry because to everybody else, it was just a dumb rosemary bush. But to me, it was God saying, I've got you, yeah. even with the rosemary bush. Like, I've got you, even in the little things. So I think the way it's changed me is I've just had to come to depend more and just realize that Things to other people are dumb, but God hears everything, and he's got me in everything, even my rosemary bush. Yeah. And now I have 16 rosemary bushes in my backyard. No joke. <laughs> <laughs> She'll never run out of rosemary. <laughs> um, yeah, I think, I think it's a greater trust, honestly, is, is what it comes down to. Um, you know, there's stories. I... Uh, when we were going to South Africa, we, we were supposed to move in June of 2017, and um, we went to D.C., applied for our visas, did everything right. And if you've ever applied for visas for another country, um, it's, it's, it, it's, it's ridiculous some of the things that happen, okay? Um, and, and we were denied visas, and no reason given, just, eh, we're not going to give you visas. Um, so I went through, they had an a, a, a appeal process. So I filled out everything. I, I just happened to be, I was supposed to fly to New Jersey. Instead, I flew to D.C. and I drove up to New Jersey. And um, I go in there and I fill out everything. And, and like, no, you waited too long to, uh, to turn in your, uh, your appeal. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I, I didn't get this until this date. So I was with it and everything. So they're like, well, you have to prove it. So I had to leave the the uh the embassy and i went to fedex to get a printout of when they actually delivered what they you know the the denial and i went back and then they're like well your paper's been printed crooked uh so we, we can't accept this paper because it's not printed perfectly straight on the printing paper you know i'm like oh come on so i had to go get that fixed came back finally turned it in never heard back from them uh so we decided well through a contact we're like we'll get our visas in south africa so the four of us, we moved to South Africa, apply for our visas, and, and we're given actually work permits instead of just volunteer visas. We're like, man, we'll be able to open up a, some businesses mission, that type of thing in, in South Africa. And, and all of a sudden, I started looking at my girls' visas, and they were given work visas. And they, are, uh, they were 14 and, and 11 at this time. I'm like, um, they can't work in South Africa. Something's not right. So we sent them back, and I, I moved, I, all of our stuff was still in Tanzania where we lived previously, so we were going to ship it down. So I flew up there. I get back to South Africa, and um, I'm denied entry, and they said I had a fraudulent visa, and they put me in jail. 
Uh, my kids don't have passports right now. My wife is, is in Durban with our kids. Uh, so I call my wife. I'm like, honey, I, I made it to South Africa, uh, but I'm not coming home tonight. <laughs> um, I'll call you when I can type deal. And uh, so I ended up getting deported back to America. Uh, my kids were, are labeled undesirable citizens um, by the South African government because they overstayed their visitor visa. And I remember laying on the bunk bed in this jail. There's all these African people that were there illegally. Like me, they couldn't believe an American was in there with them. They're like, whoa, what did you do wrong type deal? Um, and, and I remember laying on that, uh, that bunk bed and, and just laying there thinking, God, I felt like you called me here. I felt like I was following you and doing everything I was supposed to do. And here I am in jail in the airport in Johannesburg. And I don't know if I'll be able to ever live overseas again and be a missionary. But God, I'm going to, my dreams that you gave me or I thought you gave me, I'm giving them back to you with an open hand. And you do what you want to do in our life. We ended up coming back to America. My wife ended up getting out with the kids, and that's a whole process. You can't travel without both parents unless you have signed documents um, in South Africa because of child trafficking and stuff. They have all this stuff you have to do. She ends up getting out. My kids are labeled undesirable citizens. We go to the embassy once again. New people are there. They're like, oh, I'm so sorry this happened to you. Here, let's take care of this. I said, well, what about my kids? She goes, oh, that's bad. Um, you have to appeal that they were labeled undesirable citizens. Within three weeks, we had new visas, proper visas, to go back to South Africa. It's all because, and I don't know why it happened, but I know this. I laid my dreams down and said, God, this is, this is what you called me to. you got to do this. So there's more of a trust in what, when I feel led by God than I've ever had before. Yeah, that's great. Last question. You're in a room full of students. You probably have seen it as you've been around campus, walking around, signs everywhere, lead on, right? That's just, this is the lead on university, and uh, they're studying to become businessmen, women, nurses, uh, teachers, work in all areas of culture, musicians, those kind of things. Like, There's an expectation that the men and women in this room will be leaders and lead and change the world. If you could leave one final thought with these future leaders about why missions is important or how their lives can be of service to the mission of God in the world, what would you say? I would say, don't wait to serve God. Serve Him now where you're at. Start now. Uh, and I said it at dinner. Start where you're at and see where God takes you. Be willing to say yes and don't be willing to say no so quickly. That's good. Yeah, I agree. Um, the signs don't say lead here. They, they say lead on. And they don't tell you where to lead. And I think somebody had asked, how do you know where you, you were to go? All you had was a, a skill set. Um, but I agree with Adam. Start, start serving now and just listen. God will surround you with people and direction, and he will speak to you, and he will give you friends, and he will give you leadership. Whether you're to lead here or lead somewhere else, just serve him and give them the best of what you have and just listen and take that step and know too that there's not one right way and there's not one right path. Um, there can be five 
right paths going to where God wants you to be. So don't be afraid of messing up or taking a wrong Mm. step. As long as your step is in line with his word, then just just go. And again, it might not be easy. I cried when God asked me to give up my dreaming. You think it's a mistake, but God doesn't make mistakes. Just, just serve. Serve now and listen. Thank you guys so much. Yeah. Can you guys give it up for Adam? Thank you for listening today. We'd love to connect with you beyond this podcast. If you want more information about TCU Chi Alpha, visit tcuxa.com. God bless and go Frogs.